my pronouns to all of you. My name is Amit Chatterjee, and I'm speaking to you from uh, Seattle this morning. And welcome to another edition of the Sunday Spiritual Discussions. We will uh, start with a short prayer. We'll uh, close our eyes. We're grateful to God and gurus for giving us this opportunity of the satsang this morning. Thinking deeply of God, thinking deeply of Param Gurudev Paramahamsa Hari Haranandaji and Gurudev Paramahamsa Pragyanandaji. I pray on behalf of all of us. Om Sahana Bhavatu, Sahana Bhunaktu, Sahaviryam Karavavahai. Tejasvi nabadhita mastu ma vidvishavahai Om shanti 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 May God and Gurus allow us to enjoy together. May we exert together. May our discussions be sincere and faithful. May there not be any discord amongst us. May there be peace, Om, Amen. Good morning again. Sri Lahiri Mahasaya, in his commentary of the Guru Gita, makes a very curious statement. He says that the practice of Kriya meditation is worshiping the feet of the Guru. This is a very intriguing statement indeed. The practice of Kriya meditation is worshipping the feet of the Guru. Now we are aware of the ritual of worshipping the feet of the Guru. But is there a deeper connection between that and the spiritual journey of a seeker? Especially, is there a deeper connection with the Kriya practice? This is the topic that we will explore this morning. And I feel it's a timely one as well. August 10, coming up in just a couple of weeks, is the birthday of Guruji Paramahamsa Pragyananandaji. So it certainly is a good time to be thinking deeply about the Guru. So we will focus our discussion on that. Now, it is not always possible for us to be in the physical company of a Guru. So the scriptures and the sages say, that the sandals, the padukas of the guru are a great symbol or representative of the guru itself. So when we are not with the guru, we're thinking about the guru paduka being worshipful to that, in essence, is being worshipful to the guru as well. And this practice of worshiping the feet or the paduka of the guru is really age old but perhaps the earliest and the most celebrated instance of this can be found in the Ramayana from the time of Lord Rama about 5,000 years ago. There is the story of two brothers, Bharata and Lord Rama. Many of you are familiar with this story, but it's a good opportunity to talk about that story today. Bharata was the stepbrother of Lord Rama, but the love between the two brothers was unparalleled. However, at a time when Bharata was not 
at their home in Ayodhya, Bharata's mother, Queen Kaikeyi, cunningly taking advantage of a boon granted to her by the king, got Sri Rama exiled to the forest for 14 years. Her plan was that with Lord Rama away, it would be easier for Bharata to become the king of the empire. Lord Rama left for the forest with mother Sita and another brother Lakshmana. The king, their father, forced into this conspiracy, could not bear the shock of it, and he passed away. When Bharata returned back home and heard what had transpired, he was as if hit by lightning. Lord Rama was dearer to him than his own life. He couldn't even comprehend what his own mother had done and for what purpose. In agony and anguish, he cursed his mother and began to cry, thinking about the trouble that Lord Rama was facing in the forest on his account. Now, Bharata is spoken of as the incarnation of pure love. And Lord Rama was the Lord to him. So there was no way he was going to accept this situation. So he resolved that he was going to go to the forest, locate Sri Ram, and bring him back to Ayodhya. So Bharata went to the forest, figured out where Lord Rama was, and meeting him after telling him the sad news of the demise of the father, requested him to return back to Ayodhya and become the emperor there. But Lord Rama refused. It was going to be unrighteous for him to break the promise that he had given to his own father. And so he asked Bharata to go back and be, and be the king. Bharata gave up the effort to bring him back to Ayodhya. But with another plan in mind, he asked Lord Rama for his sandals, his footwear, or his paduka. When he got that from Sri Rama, he carried the paduka on the top of his head and returned back to Ayodhya. He installed the padukas on the throne. He was not going to govern the kingdom, but he was going to govern on the behalf of Lord Rama and following his ideals. So Bharata never sat on that throne. He never wore a crown, but he governed the kingdom on behalf of Lord Rama, keeping the Padukas on the throne. This is a beautiful story. And when I think about it, Lahiri Mahasaya's statement comes to mind. The practice of Kriya meditation is the worshiping of the feet of the Guru. When we practice our Kriya meditation, when we feel the heaviness or subtle sensation at the top of the head, is that not akin to carrying the padukas of the Guru on our head, just as Bharata did? As devotees, have we not installed the padukas of our Guru in the throne in our heart? And have we not resolved to lead this life according to their teachings? So the connection with spirituality, the connection with the Kriya practice starts to seep into the mind. Let us explore this more. Many of you, or maybe all of you, have witnessed 
a Guru Paduka Puja in our ashrams, where our Swamiji's lovingly with, with great devotion, worship the sandals, the padukas of the guru, as if they're worshiping the feet of the guru who's in front of them. With love, with care, they wash the sandals, they dry them, they offer flower to the padukas, and they also chant several verses and hymns. One of the hymns which is chanted during the Guru Paduka Puja is the Guru Paduka Stotram. This Stotram or this hymn is beloved to all disciples for the love, for the devotion that it causes to surge in our heart when we hear this. It certainly is one of my most favorite hymns. So today I will discuss a few verses uh, from this hymn and try to connect it to Lahiri Mahasaya's statement. Now, a little bit about the Stotram itself. The Guru Paduka Stotram was composed by a great sage of modern times, Swami Bharati Krishna Tirtha. He was the Shankaracharya of Puri from 1925 to 1960. And you may be familiar that in India, Shankaracharya, and there are four of them in four parts of India, Shankaracharya's to Hinduism is what the Pope is to Christianity. They are the authority about, of the Hindu religion. And Shankaracharya Swami Bharati Krishna Tirtha was loved Kriya Yoga as well. And in particular, he was deeply appreciative of, Guru, of Guru, our Gurudev Paramahamsa Hariharanandaji. Hariharanandaji at that time was a Brahmachari, a monastic and his name was Brahmachari Rabin. And during that time, he spent a lot of time with Shankaracharya. He studied the scriptures from him. He served him. He was almost like a disciple to him. And after 20 years of living a monastic life and having also uh, experienced Nirvikalpa Samadhi, uh, Rabin Maharaj, Ravin Brahmachari decided that he wanted to take to sannyasa or monkhood. And he requested Shankaracharya to initiate him to monkhood. Now the Shankaracharya, just to test him, had many questions uh, about monastic life and how he was going to deal with them. And he was very happy with his answers. But one particular question that he asked is also, uh, kind of relevant or significant to our discussion today. Shankaracharya looked at uh, Hariharananda Baba and told and asked that, look, during the sannyas initiation, I will have to wash your feet and bow down to your feet. Will you be able to tolerate my touch? Brahmachari smiled at him and said, Gurudev, in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, I too worship the feet of my devotees. So I'm used to it. Shankaracharya was extremely happy to hear this and he uh, blessed him. He initiated him to monkhood on May 27, 1959 and gave him the name Swami Hari Harananda Giri. So let us now return back to the Guru Paduka Stotram. The Stotram, the word stotram itself comes from the Sanskrit word stuti. Stuti means 
to glorify. So a stotram glorifies something. So what does this stotram glorify? Well, that's in the name itself. It's the Guru Paduka Stotram. It glorifies the Guru Paduka or the sandals of the Guru. And our scriptures and our sages say, and all of us devotees, we believe that if you worship the Padukas, the sandals of the Guru with devotion, you will get everything in life. Everything meaning you will get materials, prosperity, and you will get spiritual evolution too. In fact, they say that the two feet of the Guru grant or bestow two different kinds of blessing. The left foot bestows material prosperity on a seeker and the right foot spiritual evolution. So when we humbly bow down at the feet of the Guru and touch both the feet, we get both these types of blessings. The Guru Paduka Stotram itself has nine verses and it has a very interesting structure. The very first verse is actually an overview of the life of a seeker. And then the next four verses talk about the material grace that a guru graces a seeker with. And then the last four verses talk about the spiritual gifts or treasures that the guru confers on the seeker. There are nine verses, but our time is short. We will not be able to cover all of it. But my plan is to talk briefly about three verses. The very first verse, which is an overview. One of the verses which talk about the material um, blessings from the guru and one of the verses which talk about spiritual gifts. So I've chosen three verses for you. And before we go into this discussion, we will I'll chant these verses so you can listen in. The verses are rhythmic. Uh, they are full of symbolism. And uh, so as you hear them, as you listen to the rhythm, uh, feel, feel the words. We'll discuss about them. Feel the rhythm. And let your own love, devotion for the Guru surge up in the heart. So we'll close our eyes for this. Verse 1, 4, and 9 of the Guru Paduka Stotram. Ananta samsara samudra tara naukayitabhyam guru bhakti dabhyam vairagya samrajada pujanabhyam Namo Namashri Guru Padukabhyam Nali Kanikasha Padaritabhyam Nana Vimohadi Nivarikabhyam Namat Janabhishtati Pradabhyam Namo Namashri Guru Padukabhyam Kamadi Sarpa Vrajagarudabhyam Viveka Vairagya Nidhi Pradabhyam 
बोध प्रदाभ्यामोक्षदाभ्याम नमो नम श्री गुरुपादुकाभ्याम my repeated prostrations to the holy feet of the guru which serve as a boat to cross this endless ocean of the world it bestows devotion to the guru and it grants me material prosperity and spiritual evolution i repeatedly bow to the holy sandal of the guru which is like lotus flowers holding on to them i stay unaffected from the distractions impurities of a delusive mind and when i worship them they fulfill all my desires i worship the holy feet of my guru repeatedly they are the celestial eagles which hunt down the serpents of anger desire pride and so on they grant me the treasure of discrimination and dispassion they give me self knowledge and they give me a rapid path to liberation from the shackles of this world we'll open our eyes if this is such a beautiful stotram every word every symbol in it as we understand it fills the heart with devotion to the guru so we will uh, discuss a little bit about the first verse and a little bit about the fourth and the ninth verses now the very first verse the mantra in the first verse says that ananta samsara samudra tara nokaitabhyam guru bhakti dabhyam and it ends with the phrase namo namashri guru padukabhyam let us understand the last quarter of this verse namo namashri guru padukabhyam in fact this quarter verse is repeated in each of the nine verses namo nama means i bow and i bow or essentially i bow repeatedly and the word nama is an abridged form of a sanskrit phrase which means na mama or not mine so when we bow down humbly at the feet of the guru when we nama at the feet of the guru essentially we are saying oh guru nothing is mine what really is mine this body this life the family whatever we have in this world isn't that not just a gift of guru of god so when we surrender to the guru completely when our love the devotion for the guru fills our heart completely then what more is there to do rather than just hold on to the feet of the guru and say guru this is all yours so that is nama namo shri guru padukabhyam you will notice the word bhyam which is in many of these words that's just a sans sanskrit grammar suffix for the dual case so since there are two padukas the dual case is used and hence the bhyam word comes we will ignore that 
just from a understanding of the verses. So namo namashri guru padukabhyam. You will also notice the word shri in here. This also has beautiful connotation. Guruji explains. The word shri in Sanskrit has three parts. Sh, ra, and e. Sh means the head. Ra is fire, illumination, or light. And e is shakti or pranic energy or consciousness. So Shri and this, those, as we practice Kriya, we would uh, relate to that. We are taught to bring our consciousness to the top of the head and to perceive the divine light within. So that is Shri. So Shri Guru Padukabhyam is when we feel the presence, subtle presence at the top of the head. We feel the heaviness there. We bring all our attention in the cave of the cranium and we perceive the divine light there. That is the proper way. That is the real way to bow to the feet of the guru, not mere chanting uh, through the lips. So that is Sri Guru Padukabhyam. Namo Nama Sri Guru Padukabhyam. And we repeatedly prostrate. We are grateful for the Guru and we worship the Padukas. Now, what are we grateful about? What is it that the Padukas do for us? The very first part of the verse is an overview of that. It says, Ananta samsara samudra tara naukaitabhyam. This is a long phrase in Sanskrit where there are many words which essentially qualify. The, the last word. So the best way to understand this phrase is to start from the back and end and work our ways way back. So the last word is naukaita. Nauka comes is the boat. Naukaita is has become a boat. So essentially it is saying that the good have become a boat. Now for nauka to cross. So this is a boat to cross. Cross what? The word before answers that. Samudra Taranauka, a boat to cross an ocean. What kind of ocean is this? Samsara Samudra, the ocean of the world. And what kind of world is this? Ananta Samsara Samudra, an endless, infinite world. So the phrase in totality means the Guru's Paduka have become a boat to cross this endless world, which we called samsara, which is like an ocean. Now to understand why the poet uses the analogy of an ocean, why is the world uh, deemed to be an ocean, an endless ocean? Let us reflect on that a little bit. We are familiar with the world. It is an attractive place. We live in the world with the hope of enjoying the beauty, the many opportunities in this world. We come to this world to enjoy this world. But we know as seekers, very soon we realize that the world is full of misery as well. We expect happiness, but most of the time we end up being miserable. And why is that so? Well, the word samsara 
clarifies that in just that single word. The phrase samsara in Sanskrit comes from sam sarate iti, that which is continuously changing. That is this world. And if you reflect on this from our own experience, we feel that change. We were born in this world a while back. And being born was being being born was painful. We wailed that day. We cried because it was painful. Then there was childhood. We were so helpless, dependent on others. Childhood was painful. Then we reached youthhood, and that promised many things. But with the growth of our own ego, the ego led us to so many struggles that the youth age was also painful and a struggle. Growing up, we have families, we take care of family members, and that is a big responsibility. That is not easy and often very difficult. And then finally, old age hits us. And that's when physical pain permeates our body. And that is so painful. So throughout our life, we look for stability. We look for happy situations. What, what is our experience? We find that those moments of happiness, of joy are so fleeting. They last for a few days, few months, but maybe a few years. But after that, change hits us again. Wave after wave of change. And every change comes with confusion, with struggle, with settling down again, with dealing with it, with frustrations. So this is what sansara is. It truly is so poetic, so nice of the poet to think of the word samudra to describe the samsara or the world. It's as if wave after wave of change is hitting us. And we are in the midst of this ocean. We are trying to cross this ocean. And that is what this life is. And if you think of not just this life, this story has been repeating. We have been born again and again. We have lived in this world again and again, only to come back again. So now you understand why the poet says that this samsara, this ocean is endless, endless ocean of birth and death and struggling in this world. So we feel as seekers, we feel like we are treading water in this ocean, trying to conquer the waves, trying to stay afloat, trying to cross the river. But we know it is impossible for us to swim across a river or, or an ocean. So we certainly need a rescue. And what is that rescue? It is the padukas of the guru, which can serve as a boat or a ship. So now imagine this, you're struggling in the ocean, trying to swim across, and then you get up into a boat. How comfortable you are now. Inside the boat, you no longer have to worry about the depth of the ocean, the incessant waves, the storms, the danger that lies in the water, none of that. It becomes an effortless journey if all you do is surrender to the boat or the ship. And what does surrender mean? Nothing more than just staying on that ship, just abiding by the rules of the ship. That is the surrender. So this, this verse from the Paduka Stotram says exactly that, that in order to cross this endless ocean of the world, not, the, not just this life, endless lives as well, 
all we need to do is get onto this nauka, this boat, which is the feet of the guru, hold on to it, surrender to that guru, surrender to the guru. So this, in essence, the very first verse is a summary of the life of a spiritual seeker. When in life we are beset with anxiety, challenges, situations that we feel are completely overwhelming us. We feel knocked away from our perch. We feel anxious, we panic. All we have to do is to hold on to the feet of the guru as the nauka, as the ship, that will take us across. All we need to do is feel the pulse sensation at the top of the head, akin to Bharata, carrying the padukas on the top of the head. To have the love for the guru in the heart and resolve to follow the life as per the teachings of the guru, and then the guru will take us. So this is how I interpret Lahiri Mahasaya's statement of Kriya practice is worshipping the feet of the Guru. So, Namo Namashri Guru Padukabhyam, repeated prostrations to the Guru and the Guru will take us across this world. So that is just the first verse of the, of the Paduka Stotram. Every other verse talks a little bit more symbolism, talks about the situations in our life, and how the Padukas, worshipping the Padukas, help us. I'll just talk a, about a couple of phrases from, from a couple of other verses. Verse 4 has a phrase which says, Nalika Nikasha Padaritabhyam. The literal translation means the feet of the, the Guru are like the lotus flowers. They help me stay unaffected from the delusions of the world. See, if you think of the world again, it is constantly dis distracting us, constantly deluding us. We try to stay true to our practice, to our ideals, but we fall prey, we fall down in this world. This is the magical allurement of this world. So when we're in such a situation, how do we deal with it? And, and this situation is not just the daily life in the world, if you think of the act of meditating itself, you know, I sit down to meditate with the resolve to have a good meditation, but the moment I close my eyes and go inside, what happens? Thoughts beset me, distractions come, and at times even impure thoughts come up in the mind, and you wonder what to do. And this is where this phrase of the stotram, nalika nikasha padaritabhyam, really helps as a visual aid. Here the poet uses the analogy of a lotus. Nalika is lotus, nikasha is like. So he's essentially saying, adukas are like the lotus. Now you may be familiar, the word lotus is often used in our scriptures, in our prayers, because the lotus plant, the plant itself, the leaves, the flowers, they have some beautiful characteristics that tie it with spirituality. The lotus plant actually grows in the mud. It grows in the muddy water. The plant itself is born in mud, lives in slushy water, but the flower blooms on top of the water. 
as you know, the stem of a lotus plant is as long as the water is deep so that the flower can bloom on the top of the water with all its sweetness, you know, beauty, fragrance. So, and this is a great symbol. The mud that the lotus grows in is analogous to the mud of this world, the distractions that entrap us. If we were to walk on a slushy, muddy field, we would get our clothes dirty. We would get our, ourselves dirty. But the lotus flower is not like that. It stays in the mud, stays unaffected, and blooms at the top of the water. And this is such a beautiful symbol for me. When I sit down for meditation and the negative thoughts, the impure thoughts flood in mind, that's like the slushy, muddy water. But I am reminded that my spine is like the stem of the lotus. If I can just raise my consciousness up my spine, go to the top of the head, feel the pressure at the top of the head, that is my Guru Paduka, and let my consciousness bloom there at the feet of the Guru, then let the thoughts be there. I am not bothered about it. That is just the nature of the world. All I do is think of the lotus. I think of this analogy, and I hold on to the feet of the Paduka, feet of my master in my meditation. It is such a, such a beautiful um, prayer fragment that we can use in our daily life. And with that, when we bow humbly to the Guru, the rest of the verse says that all your uh, desires are fulfilled by the Guru. So that's the fourth verse. Then eventually, as we make progress in the spiritual path, the, we slowly withdraw from the world. But then the next big challenge before we perhaps get to realization is our own samskaras, our own impressions, our own demons are within. And uh, dealing with that is uh, the big challenge. So even inside us, there is a, there's a big fight. And the last verse of the Paduka Sutram talks about that. This word says, Kamadi Sarpa Vraja Garudabhyam. It's a beautiful phrase. Kamadi, it's essentially Kama Adi. Kama is anger or passion or desire. Adi is etc. So this verse is talking about our vices. It's talking about desire and allied vices. And in our scriptures, we know the scriptures talk about six great vices, which are Kama or desire or passion. Krodha, anger. Lobha, greed. Moha, delusion or infatuation. Mada, vanity. And matsarya, jealousy. So these are the six vices. What are they? De uh, desire, anger, greed, delusion, vanity, and jealousy. And Scriptures say that this six vices are the cause of all obstacles in our life. So here the poet is using the words kamadi sarpa. He's essentially saying that these vices, kama and its allied verses are like serpents, are like venomous serpents. Sarpa is serpents. These are like venomous snakes, which makes our life 
poison us. It poisons the life of those around us. And really, they are the obstacles to the spiritual goal. And then what does he say? Vrajagarudapyam. Here again, the analogy or the symbolism is beautiful. He's talking about Garuda or the celestial eagle. As you know, the snake and the eagle are mutual enemies. When the snake you know, swoops down, the eagle swoops down to hunt the snake, the snakes, snakes flee from there. So that is the symbolism that the poet is using here. He's using the word Vraja Garudapyam. Vraja means movement. So he's essentially saying that the celestial Garuda, which is also, by the way, the mount of Lord Vishnu. So the grace of Vishnu is there as well. So the celestial Garuda or the celestial eagle will hunt down the serpents of desire, etc., within me. And that will lead me to liberation. And, you know, I feel it's just so amazing when you relate this word, this phrase to our Kriya practice, because the analogy is striking here. Our gurus tell us that the six vices that we just discussed are in our six chakras, the bottom six chakras, from the Muladhara chakra to the lower end of Agnya chakra are the place where these vices are. So Kama or desire in Muladhara chakra, Krodha or ang anger in Swadishthan and so on till Matsarya, jealousy in the lower part of Agnya chakra. This is where the vices hide. This is where the serpents torture us. And then what is Vrajagarudapyam or movement of the celestial eagle? That is nothing but the movement of consciousness up and down the spine that we are used to in Kriya practice. So when we practice Kriya, when as per the teachings of the Guru, we take our consciousness from chakra to chakra within the spine, that is the movement of the celestial eagle, which is hunting down these six vices, which is cleansing them. And when that happens, we are on the way, we are on this rapid path to self-realization. So that essentially is what the, uh, the Stotra is saying. And as I, as I said, there are nine verses in this that was going to be too much for us to cover in this short session. So I just shared with you a few verses interpretation of Guruji and my own experience of practicing them uh, in Kriya, which makes me relate to that statement from Sri Lahiri Mahashaya that the practice of Kriya meditation is worshipping the feet of the Guru. There's a beautiful book. I'll hold it up on the screen. This is written by Sri Guruji, uh, which analyzes all in more depth, and more importantly, try to relate uh, uh, to the meaning to your own practice. It'll deepen your own practice, uh, and it'll help you on the path uh, of Kriya. So uh, I'll, I'll stop there uh, with the discussion. We did uh, cover a lot. You're just sitting comfortably. Listen again to these verses. Now that we understand the meaning a little bit more, perhaps they will help us interiorize. 
our meditation. Ananta samsara samudra thara naukaitabhyam guru bhakti dabhyam vairagya samrajada poojanabhyam namo namashri guru padukabhyam nalikanikasha padaritabhyam nanavimohadi nivarikabhyam namachanabhishta tati pradabhyam namo namashri guru padukabhyam kamadi sarpa vrajagadurabhyam Viveka Vairagya Nidhi Pradabhyam Bodha Pradabhyam Dhruta Mokshadabhyam Namo Namashri Guru Padukabhyam Repeated prostrations to the feet of the Guru which serve as the boat to cross this endless ocean that is the world. It bestows devotion to the Guru and it grants me material prosperity and spiritual evolution. I bow repeatedly to the holy sandal of the Guru, which are like lotus flowers. Holding on to them, I stay unaffected from the distractions from the impurities of a deluded mind. And when I bow humbly to them, it grants me all my desires. I worship the holy feet of the Guru repeatedly. They are like celestial eagles, which hunt down the serpents of anger, greed, passion, and so on. They give me the treasure of discrimination and dispassion, give me self-knowledge and give me a rapid path to liberation from the shackles of this world. Bring the attention to the middle of the eyebrows. Agnya Chakra. This is the door to divinity within. Calmly watch your breath. Every inhalation, every exhalation. With each inhalation and exhalation, deepen your thought for the Guru. The Guru is always with us in subtle form we can search for the feet of the Guru in the cave of the cranium, bring all our love, all our attention there. Shri Guru Padukabhyam. As you concentrate, thoughts of the world, situations in your life, Challenges ahead, 
will draw you back, will perturb you. Remember the mantra in the stotram. Ananta samsara samudra taranauka. The feet of the guru are like the boat ship that will take us across this endless ocean. Just hold on to that feeling. Hold on to the feet of the Guru. Guru's grace will let you go past all the waves in life. Keep bringing the attention back to the breath. some calmness within. Even within the mind, thoughts are crowding in. Maybe even impure thoughts. Not to worry. Nalika Nikasha. Be like the lotus. You may be in slushy waters of thoughts, distracting negative thoughts. Rise up. Bring the concentration up. Pada Aritabhyam. At the top of the head. Feel the subtle sensation. That is the Guru Paduka. Concentrate there. Don't worry about the slushy, muddy thoughts. Keep watching the breath. Now take a slow, long and deep inhalation. Hold the breath and bend forward a little. Head towards the knees and exhale. Normal breathing again, watching the breath. Just staying in that position of bowing for a little bit. As you watch the breath, think of the Guru. The simple act of bowing is an act of humble submission. You're bowing to the Guru. Maybe some heaviness at the top of the head. Namo Namashri Gurupadukapyan. Nothing is mine. This body, this life, this family, friends, all my possessions are gift of God and Guru. Namo Nama. Namama. Nothing is mine. More love. More surrender. Just give it all up to the Guru. 
Take another slow, long and deep inhalation. Holding the breath, gently sit back up again. And exhale. Normal breathing, watch the breath again, concentrating in the middle of the eyebrows. Observe how you feel. Some more calmness. The breath is even. You are holding on to the feet of the Guru. We will practice a few minutes of a simple pranayam to take deep, long, slow inhalations and deep, long, slow exhalations. Keeping the attention at the top, take a deep, long, slow inhalation. Exhale slow, long and deep. Inhale deep and long. Exhale slow, long and deep. Inhale deep. Exhale deep. Keep practicing deep inhalation, deep exhalations on your own. The six vices, desire, Anger, greed, infatuation, vanity, jealousy are in our chakras. From the muladhar to the bottom of the Akya chakra. These are like venomous serpents which poison our life poison the life of others. Inhale deep, exhale deep. Feel the breath within, the flow of consciousness within. The flow of breath along the chakras is like the celestial eagle. Braja Garudabhyam, the celestial eagle hunting down the serpents that infect our chakras. Every breath, every deep inhalation and exhalation, cleansing the chakras. Inhale deep. 
Exhale deep. Inhale. Feel the peace within. Exhale. Love. Inhale. Love. Exhale. Joy. Inhale. Peace. Feel the negativity melting away. Exhale. Love. Inhale. Peace. Exhale. Love. Deep inhalation. Exhale, feel pure. Inhale. Exhale. Bring the attention back to the middle of the eyebrows. Normal breathing again. Keep the body still. Move the attention at the top of the head. Maybe some subtle sensation at the top of the head. Carrying the Guru Padukas. Lightness within love for the master. Let go of all thoughts. Merge into that love, that devotion. Practice a few minutes of silent meditation. Try. Bring the attention back to the breath again. Ah. 
calmly watching the breath. Back to body consciousness and breath consciousness. The calmness that you may feel within is the result of your short meditation and the grace of the Guru. We are ever grateful to God for Gurus for bringing us to this path for giving us the practice of Kriya, for the practice of Kriya is none but worshipping the feet of the Guru. Namo Namah Shri Guru Padugampyam. We'll offer a prayer for the wellness and happiness of all in this world. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santu Niramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Makaschit Dukkha Bhag Bhavet Let all be happy. Let all in this world be healthy. Let all lead an auspicious life. May there not be any misery. I humbly bow to God, to gurus. I humbly offer my prayers. My devotion, love to all of you. Thank you all. God bless you all. And thank you for tuning in this Sunday. Jai Guru, Jai Jagannath.